We didn't have much of we didn't have much of a cold open. Fuck, we should have been recording. We were talking about gaming PCs and graphics cards. That would have. <laughs> nah, that would have just incriminated us. <laughs> then people would know we're <laughs> fucking nerds instead of podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have that. Can't have that. My reputation will be ruined. Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. Hello. How are you doing? Back. Here we are again. I'm yeah. good boy. How are you going? I'm not asking you, Oscar. I'm asking the listeners. How are you, All listeners? Right. I hope you're doing well. <laughs> Andrew, we haven't been talking at all. Have you got 15 minutes worth of thoughts on gaming PCs? Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yes. We've, we've, I don't uh, need to know how you're going. I know how you're going. You're doing That's fine. it. <laughs> this Happy week birthday. we uh, It's a birthday episode for Oscar. Everyone say happy Thanks, birthday. Brother. Oh, three, two, one. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank there we you. Go. Yep, right. That's going to nicely timestamp when this episode was Great. recorded. So, really so, lights so, the fire under Oscar's <laughs> ass to get it edited. So, <laughs> so, three weeks from now, when this episode <laughs> yeah, goes great. out, I'll feel some nice positive vibes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Send Oscar <laughs> a message saying, hurry the fuck up and, uh, <laughs> and happy birthday. <laughs> right up until send Oscar a message that says, huh, I really <laughs> thought you were going to say happy birthday. <laughs> uh, yeah. What uh, are we doing this week, boy? Here we are. This week we are doing 2021 film starring Nicolas Cage and Alex Wolf. It's called Pig. Now, everyone uh, knows who Nicolas the... Cage is, but in case you missed who Alex Wolf is, that was the main, that was a protagonist in Hereditary. Well, kind of, I guess Tony, Tony yeah. Collette was a protagonist. And in but, case yeah. you don't know what a pig is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it's like Nicolas a little Cage. hairless dog that eats garbage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, it's, it's, uh, it's the directorial debut. It's one, another one of those like written by, directed by films that... I'm a big fan of. It's directed by a dude named Markle Sarnowski, who <laughs> I mean, I've never really heard Markle. of him. <laughs> <laughs> Did I? Fuck. Yeah. Michael. Michael Sarnowski. <laughs> I was so thrown by Sarnowski that I completely forgot that I have to yeah, pronounce Michael yeah, correctly. Yeah, have fun um, listening back to that I one. Haven't- <laughs> I, it, he's so unknown that it doesn't even say uh, like how old he is or anything on his Wikipedia page. But looking at the interviews from the, he looks about our age. So he looks like he'd be about sort of thirty or so. Mm. Um, he's only ever done short films before this. This film, uh, we'll talk about it later. And we'll give you a bit of a spoiler-free review. But it's a ba- it's Nicholas Cage basically stars as this like old man recluse that lives out in the woods with his truffle pig, uh, finding truffles. He lives in this like shack that looks like it could have come straight out of the 1800s. This man is um, off the grid. Yeah, yeah. And he like finds truffles with his pig and is visited by buyers every week. Yeah. Uh, he, the who- factory owner, exploits the worker, the pig, who <laughs> provides all of the labor oh, no. and receives none of the profits. This is a Marxist film, baby. <laughs> Marxist Andrew, pig. Andrew, back on his George Orwell bullshit. <laughs> 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 but you want that pig to take over the truffle farm? George don't Orwell you? invented socialism. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's, a, he's the author of Animal Farm. That an anthropomorphic communist pig is stupid. Yeah, Blah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, no, it's oh, okay, great. I just thought it would be funny if like people think that George Orwell invented Marxism, no, considering what it's called. <laughs> I'd rather attack you rather than go along oh, with yeah. the riff. Yeah. Um, yes, and I know. Great, cool. So that's the movie we're going to be talking about later, but we'll cover some other shit first. We'll get a bit of news. We'll tell you what else we've been up to in the last few weeks. Uh, so so stick with us. Uh, we'll jump into the news first, boy. Yeah, sounds good. 
Beef bulletin. All right, here we are. Uh, top headline, which is something that pre- everyone has probably read online because uh, it's it'll be old news by the time this episode drops. But what? Uh, Nintendo <laughs> has announced the cast of their anime- new animated Mario movie that's going to be coming out. I don't know, a little while from now, but they've announced the voice cast and the internet fucking went insane. I had forgotten, by the way, that might be a little bit of a mind fuck for some listeners if they, like me, had memory hold the fact that Nintendo is making a Mario movie. I'd completely forgotten this. Yeah. I don't know, we must it's have crazy. talked about it around when we talked about Sonic, right? But when they said it, I was like, oh, what? They're making a Mario movie. And then the cast is insane. So I had yeah, the yeah. one-two punch <laughs> of like, there's going to be a Mario movie, and it's going to yeah. be fucking unhinged. So here we go. If any, if any of you all haven't heard this somehow, here's the new real voice cast for a Mario movie that's going to come out. I think next year. Animated Mario uh, movie. Animated. I think it's. I think it's going to be written by the people that did the Lego Movie and like Minions or some it's shit. It's not the so, original Lego know, Movie. It's the Lego Movie Two. <laughs> okay, great. Chris Pratt as Mario. Yep. <laughs> uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, your indie queen, as Princess Peach. Yeah, and that's the only character they don't need to animate because she looks exactly like her in real life. <laughs> also, by the way, like none of these characters really talk in the video game. They don't. They're going to have to entirely so like, manufacture. And, uh, all that sort of shit. So, like, right. I don't know what the fuck this movie's going to... But fine. Uh, Charlie Day as Luigi, which I think is the only... only the only casting in this that I think is not fucking crazy. Yeah, Charlie Day was great in the Lego movie. Yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, Jack Black as Bowser? What the fuck? Very good. <laughs> Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. Uh, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. And Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong. My main hope... <laughs> I really like Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, by the way. I think that's sick. But my main yeah. hope is that none of these actors do any kind of vocal affect for their performance, including <laughs> Chris Pratt. I hope that Mario... <laughs> I hope Mario talks like a perfectly normal Californian. <laughs> would you, be... you hope that Mario talks like the fat guy from Parks and Rec. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Fuck yeah. yeah. And Luigi sounds like he's being pulled straight out of a straight out of an always sunny episode, and Bowser's is pulling it up and like shlimadubadi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they get like Donkey Kong does like a Seth Rogen laugh whenever he laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck. Is, I'm I'm all in. This is going to be good. No, nah, it's going to be terrible. I'm worried that it's going to be like a solid five. It's going to be... Just like the Sonic yeah. movie was just fine and we yeah. were hoping for a tire fire. This has got enough company industry backing behind it that it's going to be competent. It's just going to be like just fine. I think it'll be... Yeah, exactly. It'll be um, yeah, like the Emoji movie or some shit. You know, it'll just be like kids yeah, will love yeah. it and adults are going to come out of it forgetting it in five seconds. Yeah. Um, this is, this is kind of cool. Um Netflix never announces their um, viewing numbers or anything yep. for any of their shows. But just recently, uh, I don't know whether this was a leak or an announcement. I think they officially announced their uh, top 10 rankings uh, for their most popular shows and movies by the number of hours that people have watched them during the first month of release. Okay. So it's like the f- it's like the first time that they've ever announced data like this. 
And so it's not, they're still keeping their cards very close to their chair. So they're just providing rankings. Uh, well, let's see if I look. Oh, no, I've got this number has hours. So I thought oh, we okay. could go through it. Okay, cool. A lot of this shit, dude, I have never fucking heard of, which shows how good my algorithm is. But um, yeah. coming in at number 10, Ginny and Georgia with 381 million hours watched. Never. Number heard nine, of it. Money, he- Money Heist Part 3. Uh, number eight is Stranger Things 2. Okay. Number seven is You Season 2. Number six and five are 13 Reasons Why Season 1 and 2 oh, yeah, with okay. a total billion hours watched. Sure. Four is The Witcher Season 1. Okay, wait. Let me guess top three. Yeah. Are there any here that I'm just not going to know about? Uh, some of these are like se- different seasons of shows that I've already mentioned. And the top one is a show that you'll definitely know. Okay. But I don't think either of us will have watched it. I saw headlines about it. So, maybe I think I know the top one as a recent show. All right. Yeah. Okay. It's reasonably recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, um, it's reasonably horny, this, this top show. <laughs> oh, Queen's Gambit must be there, right? No. No. Okay. All right. I have no idea then. Uh, number three is Stranger Things Season 3. Okay. Number two is Money Heist Season 4. <laughs> I've never heard number one I think I heard of Money Heist But I don't I've heard Money Heist is pretty good But yeah, I've never watched it Uh, Number one With a total 625 million hours watched In the first month Is Bridgerton Season 1 Oh god Yeah no I wouldn't have guessed any of that Yeah Uh, There's a reasonably similar number Oh Queen's Gambit comes in At this other list Of like number of accounts Or some shit Uh, Okay most popular movies, we could do a whistle stop through the most popular movies on Netflix. This is yeah, with sure. total view hours in the first 28 days. Yeah, I'm keen for this. I don't know whether the other view hours... Yeah, so this the top 10 movies on Netflix by total view hours. Murder Mystery, which is that Adam Sandler movie. Okay. Uh, number nine is The Old Guard. Never heard of that. Number eight no. is Army of the Dead. Uh, uh, okay. Number seven is Enola Holmes. Oh, Army of the, is, in that, the, is that the Zack Snyder one, Army of the Dead? I don't know. I think it is. I guess we'll never know. I think it is. Um, number six is Spencer Confidential, which I've never fucking heard nope, of. No idea. I wonder how many of these will be kids' films or like films that aren't available in Australia. Maybe there'll be a lot of those. Um, ah, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> no, nah, I just lost the list. Sorry, brother. Uh, okay. Well, yep. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you next time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get it back. All right, sorry. Yeah, n- yeah, number six is Spencer Confidential. Number five is Six Underground. I- have you heard of any of these fucking no, movies? I haven't. Number four is The Kissing Booth 2. <laughs> Come on, bro. These are made up. Number three with 215 million hours watched, which means one person watched this movie once. Yep. The Irishman. Nice. Okay, yep. Yep. Yeah, not fair though, because that's that. That means that that movie would have to get half as many views as every other movie on this list. That's true. That's just fact. Okay. Two hundred and fifteen million hours watched for The Irishman. Stay mad. And two hundred and thirty million hours for Extraction. The Irishman was watched like five times less. Yeah. On account of how long it is. Yeah. Extraction's number two, and number one with two- <laughs> number one with two hundred and eighty million hours is Bird Box. Oh, okay. I don't know if this is interesting or just like, I've never heard of any of those fucking movies. So I don't know what normie shit or, or maybe like, maybe Netflix doesn't like me and doesn't trust me with these, this, this popular. No, I maybe I these mean, like I've hot, hot guy movies that I don't get recommended. I think the number one movie there by a long shot sounds like it's the Irishman. 
<laughs> well, like I, like I've said, all ten of those movies, movies I've never heard of. Yeah, including the Irishman. You the Irish wife? Never. Don't know. Yeah. I know. Uh, Rid- Ridley Scott is making Gladiator two for some reason. Washed up, out of work, nude, mad, red. It's written, and as soon as his Napoleon movie is finished, he's going to get straight into doing Gladiator 2. I don't know who the fuck is asking for Gladiator 2, but no there you one, go. Yeah. His Napoleon movie, uh, is that that's mm-hmm. nothing to do with like the 1927 Apol- Napoleon movie, is it? Like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. There's a 1927 film called Napoleon. Yeah. It's five hours and 30 minutes long, coming in just shy of The Irishman. And it is in an aspect <laughs> ratio of four to one. So, it's four times Whoa. as wide as, as it is tall. Just like <laughs> Motherfucking me. Project- projecting this shit on the side of like one of those news strips that scrolls around a building. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it, it plays on ticker tapes worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so I, I, don't, I don't think mm. this is anything to do with it, but maybe it's just... Maybe he's just making a movie about Napoleon, but um, yeah. it is a very famous uh, movie. Is, this is pretty good. This, we can probably end on this headline unless cool. I forget about another one that I've got. Tarantino explains his fetish for women's feet in his films. Uh, when asked about it in an interview with GQ, he said, I'll try to do my best Tarantino impression here. Hold on. <laughs> a lot of feet and a lot of good director's movies, he said. Like, before me, the, the person foot fetishism was defined by was, <laughs> was uh, Louis Buñuel, another film director, and Hitchcock oh, yeah. was accused of it. And Sofia Coppola has been accused of it. He summarized the trope as just good direction and added that I don't take it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I, which that, which is a weird quote, but the uh, the the subtext there is that he he sees himself as like the fucking auteur of feet in film. He's like taken the crown from Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah, I think he was making fun of people uh, with in um or making fun of that in mm. uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think there was enough yeah, egregious shots with it. where there was just one or two times. That filthy, where, filthy feet with yeah, the chick where in the she car. would just Ugh. put. I'm thinking like Margaret Qualley just putting her feet up right yep. there on the dash, and everyone's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I reckon he was still into it. Um, oh, yeah. and this is big beef station news to end on. No mm. Time to Die, the new James Bond movie, has finally been released. Okay. The the news the media cycle for No Time to Die is finally over. We've been covering this fucking movie for like two years, literally since like episode one. Yeah, this this movie is like the move. This has been our bread and butter for two years. Is the bullshit media cycle? We haven't been reading out No Time to Die headlines in a, in a little while, but we've been covering this movie for fucking ages. Yeah, we can I'm finally end out, the podcast, dude. You can yeah. you can drive to my house <laughs> and you can use the keys that you have to open my handcuffs and uh, <laughs> we can, we can go watch this. this. I'm actually really keen for it. I fucking love James Bond and I don't care who knows. I'm keen to find out who the next James Bond is. I'm keen to watch this movie. I'm keen to watch those credits roll mm. uh, and find out what the name of the next movie is. I'm fucking keen. I don't give a single fuck about James Bond, but I really like mm-hmm. Carrie Fukunaga. And so I am uh, quietly Fukunaga? interested in this one um, because yeah, it's right, the yeah. first director. I mean, I guess maybe um, maybe Sam Mendes, were, but that was kind of before I knew to look for directors of films. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, this uh, this this one this one might be good. I don't know if there's any like critic reviews or anything out about it yet, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, no, I don't know, but you know, good shit. So th- I think that's the end of the news, boy. That's all I got. Uh, do you want to? Have, have you been watching anything in the last few weeks that uh, that you want to cover? I watched a little something something. Yeah, we can talk about. All right, about, let's 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 talk about. Let's, something. let's play this music and then I'll, I'll see you on the other side. All right, I'm about to play the music. Here is the music. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. 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 Business. Pleasure. 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 Business. Pleasure. 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 All right. Beefness or pleasure is, of course, the segment where... Yeah, we just sat in silence for 30 seconds and listened to that. Yep. Uh, Beefness or pleasure is, of course, the segment where uh, every, every week we cover... The, the official movie of the program and we watch a couple video essays and some interviews and we prepare some rigorous notes and pay attention and write down our thoughts while we're watching the movie but also in the intervening weeks we've been watching shit that we want to watch just for fun you know you feel me just for just for shits and giggles yeah and I don't just think for, while I'm doing that just like for I think when laughs. I'm watching a beef station film okay that's it that's it my brain is off uh, so <laughs> So that's what we've been doing for the last is uh, is, is watching shit and sh- and just and you know a, a lot of low key relaxation. Yeah, is what is is what we get up to. So that's what we're going to talk about now. Do you want to go first, boy? Have you been watching anything that you, that you you've been enjoying? Sure. Yeah, I can go first. I watched Green Room. Okay, I'm with the Eight Rights from Washington D.C. You guys are hard to find. Want to know social media presence? The music is shared live. It's time and aggression. You gotta be there. Sorry guys, we gotta clear up. Follow me. And then it's over. Holy shit. I told you to follow Keep us here and gotta let us go. We're not keeping you, you're just staying. We're so fucking dead, guys. What do we do? Oh shit. This will be over soon, gentlemen. What are they doing? They're coming. Holy fuck. What a what a fuck fest of a film. <laughs> um, for those of you who've seen both of these movies, I would pitch it as Saw meets The Raid. Uh, it is right. an insane, insane film. Okay, so, so the premise like is there's a punk rock band. Kind of yeah, there's a punk rock band forced to. Uh, this is the from IMDb. A punk rock band is forced yeah. to fight for survival. Uh, yep. At the behest of a neo-Nazi skinhead bar, so the the this group of people kind of score this gig at this bar, which is on the way to somewhere else that they're going, 
And when they get there, they see that there's a lot of, like, Nazis, people with, like, 88s on their necks and all their shit, all flags yeah, yeah. up on the wall and stuff. My and they play, bells, yeah. they play this song, which is a cover. Um, and, you know, like, punk, the punk movement is very much anti that type of shit. Um, so, they play this cover... <laughs> Uh, of this song and like the lyrics like Nazi punks fuck off like there's it's so they yeah. you know they're intentionally being antagonistic and you can kind of tell by the time they get around to doing it um, <laughs> I uh, thought you meant the punk world is against like doing covers and I <laughs> <laughs> no 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 <laughs> you meant they're against the National Socialist Party yeah, of Germany right, right. Yeah. okay cool um, <laughs> sorry carry on but the, like, uh, yeah yeah punks hate punks hate covers punks songs. hate yeah, covers yeah. famously I know about this yeah <laughs> Um, I got a real respect for the creative process. (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's directed by uh, a reasonably uh, new director called uh, Jeremy Saulnier, who is he's an American director, and he was um, his second movie, Blue Ruin, uh, was. (laughs) Yeah, I know he only does color movies, right? (laughs) Yeah. he, he just does movies where the first word is a color and the second word is like a location beginning with a letter R. Yeah. 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 Um, no, ruin. Oh, I guess a ruin. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. No, I'll give you that. Good Good joke, Oscar. Well done. Idiot. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything about it because um, I would strongly encourage so it. Uh, it's... One of the one of the last films, I guess, done by Anton Yelchin, probably one of his most famous roles, other than in like uh, fucking Star Trek. Oh, right. So, so it's a few years old then. It's got Anton Yelchin, who's fantastic. Imogen Poots, who I always forget how much I enjoy <laughs> seeing her on screen. As soon as she's on screen, I just think she's really, really great. Um, it's like one of those one of those actors where you're like, oh fuck yes, great on screen presence. And uh, yeah. Patrick Stewart, who I didn't know was in this. Um, yeah right. So, so is it like quite an intense? Like you said, like saw. Is it like quite an intense? Yes, uh, a lot of intense violence like that. Yes. So it's rated R. It's incredibly violent, and it's not violent mm. in a like <laughs> rated R for rut row. That's a lot of blood. It's rated R for that's a lot of violence. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is uh. really it's funny it, joke. It's not even like. It's not over the top. Like, it's not like, um, I don't know. It's not like Saw, where it's violence for violence's sake. Um, yeah. The Saw part is the being stuck claustrophobically in an environment where you're under extreme pressure. But it's like, uh, yeah. it's, yeah, I would compare it to The Raid, um, which is like an Indonesian film about um, uh, police raid going up an apartment building and they just go up each floor <laughs> and have to, like, Get murked. I haven't seen or that movie either. People. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. So, um, what did you like most about fucking Red Rum? Nice. Um, Thank you. I think the Spent way the last two that, minutes thinking of that, I'm ashamed. That's the best I could do. I think the way that it balanced out um, the the human element of it, it's one of these films where it's like. Um, I think Mike Stalaska from Red Letter Media was talking. I watched their review after I watched it, and he was talking about it in a way that it's like one of those films where you're you're thinking the whole time like, oh, what would I do in this situation, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's a really good one for for that um, because it's one of those. It's not like 
you want to be in the situation, but it's fascinating to watch these very there's there's very flawed people characters on both sides of the fight and so all of them are like very human making very understandable mistakes and it's really fascinating to watch and it's got this great um very subtle he's he's very much a show don't tell director so there's a lot of details that you pick up the first uh, the second time or the third time that you might watch it or that you'll just yeah, miss yeah, and it yeah. adds character flavor because you're like, oh, that was creepy or that was menacing, but I don't understand what he means. And then a character responds in a way where you're supposed to take what he meant from the cue. It's really... So, I would say that's really good directing. It's very well written, but it's not difficult to understand what the goal is. The goal is that they need to get out of this bar. They need to escape. Um, but like, right. for example, at some point after trying to escape, they fuck up, but they're surrounded on all sides by these guys and so they're forced back into the green room that they were in where they barricaded the door. So they they get out and you think they're going to make it, but then their like attempt to escape fails so much that they just end up back in the same room again because that's the best option that they've got is to go back into that <laughs> room. Um, and it's that yeah, kind of right. clever like um, pacing of the story and the way that they escape. It happens almost in real time. Um Mm. So it's extremely tense, and you find out like why are these why are these people here? Why are they running this bar? Why are they so okay with doing this type of shit? Because they're clearly covering up some other stuff. And you know how much punk bands hate covers, so you know. Nice, yeah. Um, that one of the witnesses, one of the band members, witnesses a murder early, very early on, right at the start of the film. That's what kicks off them being stuck in the room. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I think I'm doing a really bad job of explaining it, but like for me, this is <laughs> probably okay. like it doesn't have to be a whistle stop tour of the whole movie. It sounds cool. Uh, it's probably like a, mm, it's at least like a nine out of ten for me. I thought it Damn. perfectly did, perfectly did what it said on the tin. It was extremely, like just people say like high octane, but it's it was just so perfectly stressful in such an engaging way i had so much fun watching it um but also like there are parts there's some violence in this film like my mouth was agape i was truly shocked (laughs) by some of the violence in this film which was nice because Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of film violence like you know they don't even use um blood packs anymore it just doesn't feel very impactful but this was like impactful violence very cool yeah yeah Oh, anyway, cool! Great I, sounds, I might, really I might have to it. go in on it. Sounds. I'm going to go and crazy. watch. Um, I'm going to watch uh, Blue Ruin as well because apparently that's very good too. Um, mm. But yeah, great performances, great cast, great uh, production design. All takes place in this like really uh, in the bar. You really feel like it. All of the elements of like very polished, very clean. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Highly recommend it. It was distributed by A24 as well, in case that's some sort of like stamp of uh, stamp of quality. How's Yellow Restaurant? Is that nice. good? Yeah, no, nah, I wouldn't. Yeah, okay. mm, I'd probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Is that going to sound racist? <laughs> okay. Move pub, um, huh? <laughs> so, uh, I, watched, I, I haven't really watched heaps in the last couple weeks. I've been watching a lot of TV. I, have you ever gone in on the, that British series, Sex Education? No, no. I get ads for I it really read it. I've noticed you're pretending to masturbate, and I was wondering if you wanted to talk about it. Oh, I wish my mum was a sex guru. So, why don't you start by telling me your earliest memory of your scrotum? Trust me, 
you don't. No, I love you so bad. This is a new frontier, my sexually repressed friend. Our chance to finally move up the social food chain. I'm worried about you, man. Everybody's either thinking about shagging, about to shag, or actually shagging. The students at this school need your help, and we need their money. I'll deal with the business and things, and you can do the therapy. Therapy? Yeah, sex therapy. Like your mum. Ah, sex therapist. This could be awesome. Wait, it could be popular. I might have a mild to moderate crush on me. I'm addicted to wanking. My pubes are out of control. I wish I could be a normal kid with a normal dad, with a normal dick. Prepare <laughs> for the best two years of our lives. So it's like a teen comedy drama uh, set in like a like a normal. I say public school, but I mean like that, like the way that we think of a public school, like a government school. Yeah, uh, in Britain, uh, it stars Asa Butterfield, who is I think the kid from uh, Willy Wonka or some shit. One of those, oh, yeah. one of those kids. Sure. Uh, and it's basically, it's I, I feel like it's like a, it's like a like a PG rated Skins, only in the sense that like there's still a lot of like sex and drugs and stuff happening, but they've like turned the dial down so a little it bit. Skims over, um, yeah. It's got like it's got that it's got that kind of vibe. It's also like teens like sucking and fucking. You know, the stuff you love to see. Gillian <laughs> <laughs> Anderson is in it as like a very sex positive mum who is like a sex therapist. And the premise of the show is that her son, the Willy Wonka kid, uh is this like I don't know, this like fifty year old man trapped in like a teenager's body where he's able to give out this like very like wise sex advice literally or figuratively figuratively like he just seems like a very wise kind of uh precocious like teen who is giving out like sex advice to kids on campus for money right uh and he ends up like creating lots of complicated comical scenarios based on the weird sex advice he gives out to kids uh it's hard to describe i'm not really selling it very well but it's a fun show it's a fun show to watch it's really Uh, well written is it really funny yeah, it's fun. There's a lot of like, uh, yeah, it's it's funny. I, I would say it often gets a bit cringy in the sense that these teenagers put themselves in these weird, vulnerable moments that you're like, ah, oh, 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 no, ah, oh, fuck, and it sort of reminds you of like when you were a teen, an awkward teenager a bit. Uh, yeah, skins, I think it's, it's mostly like kind of too. It's yeah, it's mostly kind of wholesome in a way that I can sort of understand why people might think it's a bit of a, a bit of a lame watch. But I, I really enjoy it. I've uh, heard really good things of, about it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really inclusive in a way that's nice to see, like in a, in a modern show. I don't know. It's one of those shows that I turn on and just have on in the background. I'm really enjoying watching that. Uh, another show that I've been watching recently, because I have the DVDs and my internet's been down for a few days, is this uh, early 90s, 70s cop show called Life on Mars. I had an accident. And I woke up 33 years in the past. Now that either makes me uh, a time traveller or a lunatic or I'm lying in a hospital bed in 2006 and none of this is real. I have to go. Where? What do you care? I'm not real. As soon as I walk out that door, poof, I'm gone. Yeah, okay. 
Gene Hunt, your DCI. Don't ever waltz into my kingdom, acting king of the jungle. What are you doing? We all feel like jumping sometimes, Sam. Only we don't. This is just my mind. Let's make a difference. Maybe you're here for a reason. Give me your hand. I don't know if I've ever held court with people that are listening about this before, but I fucking love this show. It's like a BBC show that they did for like two seasons for a total of 16 episodes. Um, and it's one of my favorite shows ever. It's so cool. It's about this cop in the modern day who is in a car crash and he wakes up in 1973 in like Manchester and he doesn't know whether he is crazy or whether he's in like a coma and this is all in his like hospital bed dream, or whether he's actually traveled back in time. And he has like, while he's being a cop in the 70s and doing this like 70s cop shit and pre- pretending to be normal, uh, he's having these weird like hallucinations and audio, like, uh, yeah, audio hallucinations where he like hears the sounds of a hospital room uh, and he likes the people on the TV look like they're talking to him and have like his mum's voice being like, Sam, wake up, Sam, Sam, we're all here, wake up. And so he's like, he doesn't know whether he's losing his mind or whatever. And it's so it's like a cool 70s cop show with these cool 70s music. But over the layer of that is this weird psychological kind of element to it that's really fun. I think the only place you can watch it is on some weird BBC streaming service. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's worth worth stealing or sign up to fucking BBC BritBox if you want to watch it. But if you've never gone in, it's a fucking cool 70s cop show with like a bit of added spice thrown in there. Um, one of the... Watching. I watched this when it kind of came out too. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I remember seeing a few episodes. I think we might have even managed to get away with studying it in English class at some point. I don't know if you remember. I think I used it as one of my related texts. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, But uh, the one thing that really stands out about it, and obviously like the title is an allusion to David Bowie's song, but the soundtrack yeah. for these is unhinged. Like, I don't know. There must Such have had, a good soundtrack. There must be some sort of arrangement that the BBC has with, like, recording, like, I don't know if it's Universal some or something. specific some, record label or whatever, yeah. Right, because they have, like, I'm just looking at the music used <clears throat> list yeah. here. They've got, like, Blue Oyster Cult, David Bowie, Deep Purple, The Move, The Who, Uriah Heep, Cream, uh, Pink yeah. Floyd, like... Thin Lizzy, it, it, it just shit. like Rolling Stones, Nina Simone, like there's so many fucking, so many songs this, where yeah. other films are made in America are like, we can't get that yeah. song because it's too expensive. <laughs> like, yeah. And there's a bit of this like, yeah, literally. And so there's so many great needle drops in this, in this, the whole way through. There's loads of like, uh, it gets away with being a bit cheesy. Yeah. With like the 70s cop shit. But it's because it's like, but, but because it, it's viewed through this guy, it's like he, because this, this in the show, like the cop who has like traveled back in time or whatever grew up in the 70s. So you don't know whether, like, it could easily be like his memory of the 70s. Yeah. Which right. is why it's, it's like a, a bit of like a, like a super emphasized vignette or whatever. And you get like the cops in the brown leather jackets, like, uh, swearing at people and smoking cigarettes as they're speeding through the town and they're old like muscle cars and shit and ballroom blitz is playing in the background and they're like beating up criminals in like dingy little interview rooms and shit so it's it's good shit but they sort of i feel like they get away with it being a bit cheesier than it would otherwise be because it's supposed to be this like nostalgia trip for the main character you've seen the whole thing right yeah 
Because I remember, I haven't seen the whole thing, but I remember reading the whole series. And I remember this, because this was like kind of around the era of maybe a little bit later than, but sort of around where Lost was. And I remember lumping this in with Lost as like a TV series where the narrative just spins the fuck out from where you think it's going to go. And in, but yeah. I remember thinking that this was like I, I like the way that Lost handled it. Like I don't think it, I wasn't annoyed. I haven't actually seen Lost. Oh, I, I, I know, know, the, story, I know but the similarities. I read the thing and I was like, yeah. why are people angry about this? This sounds like an interesting concept. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. think that with Lost, oh, I think this show benefits from only being two seasons. Two long. seasons. So this show's quite right. tight. Like it's yep. two seasons, but it's eight episodes each. So it's like sixteen episodes is the whole show. So I think it yep. benefits quite quite solidly from not spinning out too much. Mm. Like, I think the people that didn't like Lost because... Or the controversy behind Lost, it was a big fucking popular, popular show on the planet when it came out, was maybe just more the idea that, like, yeah, that was, like, nine seasons and 13, 20 episodes think, per yeah. season. Yeah, and I think that, like, they didn't really know where they were going, so they set up heaps of shit and were like, oh, who knows, and, like, wrote all this complicated plot stuff that kept the show going for longer and longer and longer and it just became very convoluted and overly complicated in a way where by the time they started to wrap things up apparently it didn't wrap it up in a very satisfying way oh I'm wrong there were only six they were just like yeah yeah, they had to rush it way more episodes though and so I think that like the, the the problem the people's problem with Lost was maybe just the idea that like the ending the ending of Lost was like no spoilers but it was just like oh uh, it was this simple thing the whole time Uh, (laughs) right and people, people were a bit upset that, like, out of all the weird, complica- complex, mystical shit that was happening on this island and all this, like, uh, crazy, complex plot stuff that they had set up, that it didn't have this satisfying, complex conclusion. Yeah. So, yep. I think this Life on Mars, the British version, uh, works a lot better because it doesn't p- twist it out too long. Right. Right. So that's what yeah. I've been watching. Yeah, worth and I watching, remember the main character, main character who was uh, John Sim, I believe. Um, was he in yeah, Doctor Who great. as well? Yeah, he was in Doctor yeah. Who as the master, so people might know him from that. But he did a really good job in it. I think he was really great. Yeah, and it's a fucking great cast. It's a good show. It's my favorite show. Going back and watching it now, it looks a bit more like television-y. I don't know, like the picture quality and everything just looks a bit... Well, you're watching it on... a bit more like sitcom uh, television-y. You're watching it on um, DVD, DVD as well in in a whole yeah. 720p's. So yeah, so I don't I make mean, anything. I'd be keen to watch it in HD or whatever, but yeah, it's, I'm, I'm I'm enjoying watching it, and that's what I've been doing for the last few weeks while I wait for my internet to be fixed. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's all I got. Should we dive into Pig Boy? Yeah, let's do it. I'm looking for a truffle pig. Someone star. I don't understand. Tell me you are. You made the right choice being out there in the woods. There's nothing here for you anymore. There's really nothing here for most of us. Buy yourself a new pig. What are you thinking? I remember every meal I ever cooked. I remember every person I ever served. You live your life for them, and they don't even see you. You don't even see yourself. 
has my pig? Uh, yes, yeah, so Pig, as we mentioned earlier, is a 2021 film starring Nicolas Cage and Alex Wolfe. I started talking before I had the Wikipedia page up, so if you could just tell me, fuck me up with the name of the director, that would really help me out of this <laughs> tailspin. Michael, uh, Michael Sarnowski. <laughs> Thank you. Don't need your help. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so it just it, it's just came out recently in the US. It might be in cinemas somewhere in Australia, but we can't go to the cinema here. So. Uh, on it's all close. So we Letterboxd, have to get a bit of a Alexi Toliopoulos, yeah? Toliopoulos Speaking of fucking up names <laughs> Alexi Toliopoulos says it comes out in Australia September 16th Or it should have Because we're all in fucking lockdown And it's never coming out Yeah. So truth be told we had to get a dodgy download For this one and I honestly feel like It was a bit of a detriment for this Because it, it I don't know. Like it was the, the the quality of the download wasn't great, and there was a lot of really interesting visual stuff going on in this film that I think would have been nice to see at a higher def. So I definitely want to go back and watch this sometime soon. And I feel like some of the I like the movie before we get too far into it, but I feel like I would have loved it a lot more. And some of my gripes with it might have been addressed if I'd had like a nice high quality image to be like sure. immersed in. If that makes sense. Sure. Uh, so first of all, it stars Nicolas Cage as like a. Uh, guy who lives out in the woods hunting truffles with this truffle pig as we mentioned earlier uh, Alex Wolf is like a young uh, businessman guy who works in the hospitality and like buys the truffles and sells them to restaurants in, in the city. One day early in the movie uh, Nicolas Cage's truffle pig is kidnapped and Nicolas Cage and Alex Wolf team up to drive into Portland and or Seattle or some shit's Portland. Drive into Portland and find the pig yeah, because they and they need it to continue. It's a bit of thing. an unwilling partnership because Nicholas Wolf is like, "Fine, I'll give you one lift in, but you are a fucking smelly yeah. homeless guy, and I don't really want anything to do with you." Yeah, and Nicholas like, Cage lives is out like, in the woods in this. Yeah. Well, your income entirely relies on me, bitch. So you better help me out. Yeah, exactly. So he he like lives out in the woods in this gross shack. Like for the first fifteen minutes of the movie, the film could easily have taken place in like the eighteen hundreds, and you wouldn't know. Like, yeah, it reminded like, me sh- a lot straight of up- um, First Cow. <laughs> First Cow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I rewatched First Cow with my parents just last night uh, because I'd watched this and it was, it was like very pres- present in my mind. Yeah, and there's a lot of similarities at the start. Like the close-up, there's lots of like the very close-up shots of him foraging for truffles, which mirrors the start of First Cow with lots of like very close-up intimate like tender little shots of him foraging for the mushrooms and flipping the little lizard over. So yeah. the little, <laughs> there, are, there were quite a few similarities in the first bit there. Um what do you think of the movie overall? I really loved it. I thought it was yeah. uh, very clever, and I thought that the way that it plays on the expectations of what type of movie this is going to be, especially in like the casting of Cage, um, this movie existing in the shadow of films like John Wick, um, I think it did an extremely good job of setting you up to feel a certain way and expect certain things and completely subverting yeah. those expectations. I thought it was very, very cool the way that it did that. And I thought that it okay. required a lot of... It required Michael Sarnowski and probably his cinematographer as well being like very tapped into the way that these films often look and feel and then wanting to do something... 
that was completely different with that expectation. What, so I thought it was really. What cool. sort of films are you talking about when you say like these films? Like what, what are you drawing like a comparison to movies. between this and other shit? Revenge movies like right, Mandy, okay. like John Wick, like uh, Nobody. Like these are very popular kind yeah, of hot okay. topics at the moment, and they all speak a very similar language, except for Mandy. Mandy fucking stays winning, but, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think I think mainly the the casting of Nicolas Cage comes from um, Mandy, where you know he yeah, yeah, yeah. he is something terrible happens to him at the start of the film, and it's a revenge movie that just has this amazing Built skin that, and visuals yeah. over it. Um, but yeah, so I, I I really liked it. I also um, I think that uh, Alex Wolf is fantastic. I thought and like w- I don't want to get too much because it's not we don't have to get into spoilers. But the way that Cage is used is not how you would expect him to be used in this type of film either. And I think he did a really fantastic job. I, w- I would say we don't yeah we don't have to sp- I mean we don't have to spoil it. But I, I think that. If it's one of those movies where it's fun if you don't know much about it, and if, That's if right. you're worried about knowing nothing, then you can watch it and come back to this. But otherwise, we'll give you a warning before we spoil anything. But yeah, one mm. of those movies where the less you know about it going in, the more fun you're going to have. Yeah. I think this comes yeah. with a strong recommendation for me. It has a little more... Because, yeah, I would agree. I think if you're interested in this film and you can find a way to watch it, maybe if you're listening to this episode in a little while after it's come out, yeah. strongly recommend it. It's a really great film, and it's not the type of film that you think. Um, so I would, yeah, I, I, I would strongly recommend, uh, and I enjoyed this maybe nearly as much as I enjoyed first cow. I think movies like first cow just take themselves a tiny little bit more seriously than this film takes itself. And I think sometimes yeah, that works was, in this yeah. film's advantage, but sometimes it just means that there's one or two moments where it was like, I think he could have held the authenticity a little a little bit more there, maybe. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. I enjoyed the movie overall. I think there was clearly a lot going on with the cinematography and the visuals and the really, really strange lighting a lot of the time that yeah. I thought was really cool. And he was clearly having a lot of fun with that. Something I didn't really like as much and something that this film didn't really sell me on is that often... So once he goes into the city, it uncovers this like... Uh, so this is like uh, this is within the first act or the first half of the movie. So this isn't as very isn't much of a spoiler, but it it uncovers this like dark, gritty underworld of the yeah. culinary industry in Portland, where it, it it treats like the restaurant industry in Portland the same way that like the John Wick movies treat the assassin underworld almost, yeah. which is in fantastic. this really dark. It's it's good, but I feel like the, it was a bit too silly for me, mm. and they're doing this like dark like noir detective style thing where they're going from like place to place in the city trying to track down this pig uh and it was just a bit silly and kind of hard to follow did you find that like i wasn't really sure why they were going from location to location in a way where i don't know it it just didn't really sell me i i I just thought like i I didn't really think those detective-y bits were as good to me as the bits in the film where the characters are being very sincere and emotional and tender. I Those liked are the bits it that I liked the most. I liked it because of what it was satirizing, I think. I mean, it's it's like so okay, this is really like a mild this, yeah. this is a mild spoiler for maybe halfway through the film. But yeah. one of the reasons why he's so um uh such an avid uh collector of truffles, like obviously that's a high culinary kind of thing he is a retired chef 
And he was like the best chef in the city at the best right. restaurant in the city or whatever. Yeah. And so in the same way that people say the name John Wick and people immediately know <laughs> who it is, this guy's yeah. name has that same kind of sway, but he's a chef. It's really funny. Like, I think a lot of this, that's what yeah. I mean by taking itself less seriously, that they, they kind of still double down on that, um, that level of like, reputation and uh even like legacy a little bit but um but right before but but the way that he executes and uses his abilities i'll say is completely different um but it even sets you up it it goes in i mean like there's the underground fight scene in this film (laughs) (laughs) that was so stupid where cage gets the absolute fuck beaten out of him um, so I think it really is setting you up up until maybe that point. It's still setting this up to be one of those hyper violent revenge fantasy films, um, but yeah, it yeah. just never, uh, never goes down that path again after that point. It's it it's sort of that's as far as it pushes the pastiche and the satire. Right, like it does that for like the first. Yeah. Oh, first 45 minutes of the movie or something, yeah. Yeah, and then it, it just, it says, okay, yeah, now, now that you know what I'm, what I'm aware of and now that you know kind of like the type of films that I'm using here, I'm going to do my own thing with it. And I think that what yeah. it then does and the way that it crafts this, like, it's still a revenge film, but the way that it, it, it uses who... Uh, Nicholas Cage's character is and who um, and who people know him to be and what his actual skill set is I think is very clever and it's not something that I'd really seen before again I'm speaking in circles yeah, I, a little I, bit I because, think so. uh, because I don't want to give away too much of, of kind of what happens but yeah yeah, so I think what I want to do, and the reason why I mentioned the low quality download thing before, is I think that a lot of that stuff with like the the neo noir detective kind of vibe they're going for, and like the John Wick kind of style of the first bit, where there's like a yeah, like the cutthroat underground restaurant industry. Uh, I think a lot of that would have probably been sold for me a lot more by like a nice visual, and I sort of couldn't really get okay. into it as much with this. Like I was watching sure. it in the middle of the day. And I had to like pause yeah, it a couple of times. Like, I just, I sort of, I sort of couldn't really get into it for that first bit. So I feel yeah. like if I was watching it in a cinema or like on a big screen at night with a beautiful 4K picture, I feel like I would get much more of that like vibe of the dark, grimy city that he was kind of doing in that pastiche of. Something I really liked that I mentioned earlier is the lighting and the cinematography in this movie. I thought it was really creative. I don't know if you noticed this, but my favorite scene of the whole film was like that cooking scene where they were cooking in the dark and it was being lit by like light from the next room. I thought that was really cool and really creative. Yeah. Um, I noticed, I didn't notice that particular moment, but there were lots of, lots of moments where I feel like, again, it's take, I wanted to look up the, um, I should have done this before we started recording, but I wanted to look up who the cinematographer was and see if they, if they usually shoot. Some unknown dude, yeah. Right. But I wanted to know if they usually shot action films because this for me just spoke the exact cinematic language of these type of like beat them up, shoot them up, 
um, you know, they were shooting on like anamorphic lenses. So there's, there's always these like lens flares coming out of everything. And, and there was a lot of like um, shaky cam and like handheld style stuff that comes from yeah, like yeah, yeah. when you're watching this, <laughs> the people just punching each other and the cameras wildly trying to follow both of them. This does that type of thing. And there's even a really interesting scene where, or it's right at the start when um, Cage's house gets broken into and he gets hit and the camera sort of spins yeah. down with to the ground with him as he falls and smacks his head. Um, and so, it does use very competently the cinematography. Okay, so Patrick Scola was the cinematographer and it looks like maybe he's done some stuff that's that kind of like action. He's, he's got nearly 40 credits under his belt so he's not like a not like a greenhorn yeah oh, he directed the video short for breeze blocks oh the there video short for breeze blocks that's the one that's all in reverse and it's like um cinder blocks dropping into the tub while a woman's drowning and stuff that's I think. pretty cool yeah that's cool i really liked that one okay but anyway um so i thought the i i also really enjoyed the visuals and the lighting but i thought that the main yeah. way that that served the film other than to look really great was yeah. to set again set your expectations of the type of film this is going to be through the visual language of the mm. film and the feeling well, and the tone like the that the visuals set yeah it looks like the previous film that that guy that guy on the camera did before this was an r-rated an r-rated cop drama an r-rated yeah cop juggernaut film. right so like maybe you're getting uh this monsters and men film it doesn't okay, matter we yeah. don't have to browse sure. the imdb or i just yeah that, that is interesting and you're right the camera the camera there's a lot of interesting stuff happening with the camera that you wouldn't normally get in like a like a weird emotional indie drama about grief <laughs> mm. That's right, because that's really what this film is about, right? It's about grief and the grieving process and how um, he mm. is sort of... Uh, people People will refuse to confront their grief and will, you know, will kind of will, will avoid it in ways that is not necessarily healthy and can end up harming other people, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that like I got a lot of that out of it as well. I mean, Nicolas Cage's character had to deal with some loss in his life, and Alex Wolf's character uh, has and his dad. the loss the loss of his mother and his dad as well. And there's a lot of grief that like drives these characters and motivates them to do what they do. I would say it's not necessarily like a because of that, it's not necessarily the most uplifting movie. I had someone describe it as quite depressing, but I, I think that the way the movie uh, ends for me uh, I didn't think gives so. you a bit of emotional closure. Yeah. Also, just wanted to do a quick shout out to Adam Arkin, um, who plays the uh, Alex, well, the young businessman guy's father, who's kind of it's ostensibly this like restaurant magnate. Um, yeah. He, I've seen him in other things. He's sort of. Um, like dollar store George Clooney, but I actually think he's really, <laughs> really fantastic. Um, I remember him from Life, which was a TV series ages back. Uh, but he was right. also in Fargo as an antagonist. Um, he's been in Modern Family and stuff, so he's like a working kind of character actor. But I think he's really fantastic. Yeah. I'm always happy to see him on screen again. Um, yeah, I'm really. He was in Hitch and stuff as well earlier on, but um, yeah, yeah, sort of more of a TV actor. But I really love his uh, his character work, and he's often. I think he's a very soft, nice-looking guy, kind of like George Clooney, that kind of charming silver fox kind of thing. But then he's often mm. cast as uh, a villain, 
which I think is really good yeah. casting for him because I think he's got that ability to be that sort of like charming villain. Really cool. I, I really liked his performance in this film. Yeah. Something I really liked, uh, if we can talk about some spoilers for just a quick moment. So this is a spoiler yeah. warning. Uh, if you want to fuck off and watch this movie, I'll give you a time code so you can skip past this. But um, uh, something I really liked about the movie is the way it dealt with... So the, p- the pig dies. You find out at the end that... Mm. Uh, the reason why the the father character said, I'm not giving a pig back, I'll just pay you some money to fuck off, is because he felt he didn't want to tell Nicolas Cage that like the guys who kidnapped the pig accidentally killed the pig like five yeah. minutes after the pig was kidnapped. And so at first you feel like the whole the whole journey has been this weird, dumb, like pointless shaggy dog story. But I like the way that it yeah, it's kind of like a you learn so much more about Nicolas Cage as a character and you, you get to see he has to, he gets to have these emotionally vulnerable moments and sort of connect and come to terms with some of the things that he had a problem with in his past. Uh, his like relationship with his wife and his friends that he sort of abandoned in the city. And it's like a window into his past and a, like a, a, a way for him to go through that grieving process. I thought it was really like a really worthwhile way to do that. Yeah. If you know what I mean. I like at first at first you feel like, oh, what the fuck? My boy's not gonna get his pig back. But <laughs> Yeah. I think that the way that like he was finally able to like sit on his bed and cry and listen to the tape that his wife made for him was like a really satisfying Next to the ending emotionally for me. I yeah. know. It was yeah, it was. It's extremely it was more heartfelt than well, I was gonna say more heartfelt than this film had any right to be, but that's the point that this film doesn't make you think you're gonna experience actual kind of like authentic human emotion like that. But then that's what it's all yeah. about. Um and it links yeah. that very closely. This is a food movie. It links that very closely in with like people's experiences and memories. There's like a specific meal that he cooks for you know, the the meal that he cooked for the father the, the mob boss guy or the restaurant boss guy. Yeah. Um, that kind of, it seems like almost rescued his marriage with his wife, right? Yeah. Um, and like the, the, the impact that a good meal can have on people and how much he cares about doing the right thing. This film is, is all about, um, it's almost like nihilistic in a way um, where it's, it's, and not in the sh- stupid way. It's, it's saying um, nothing matters. And so, and we're all going to die. In fact, there's a big diatribe that Nicolas Cage goes on at one point about how every 400 years is a massive earthquake and this is all going to be underwater soon. We're overdue for one, (laughs) basically. But his point is not, so don't care about anything. His point is, so why waste time doing stuff that you don't care about? And he ends up having a quite in-depth conversation with a chef at one point where he needs information from. So, it's actually an interrogation scene. But the way that he gets this guy to crack is by saying like, it's almost like the Raymond Kessel thing that uh, Brad Pitt does in Fight Club where he's holding the gas station clerk up with the gun. <laughs> and telling him to, forcing him to follow his dreams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you find out this chef used to work for him. And so he's like, you know, it, it comes down to like, you wanted to open a pub. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this fine dining restaurant bullshit? You don't care about this. None of these people care about you and they're never going to. Yeah. Why are you wasting time not doing what you love? And this guy cracks and tells him like where he can get the next lead. It's so yeah. funny. Um and it's so I, I I thought this was really cleverly constructed for those kind of reasons. But it is about the human emotion behind it. 
I agree, and I think that's why I like those emotional tender bits a lot more than I liked the silly detective-y underground fight club bits. It's just because I yeah. liked the movie's core message of like, do what you love because life is too short to do anything else. I thought was such a beautiful message and just the idea that like, I, I like the message of like how much like cooking for someone is a symbol of like caring for that person yeah. and n- nourishing and loving that person in a way where like he cooks that meal and it's like the last meal that mob boss had with his wife where they were both happy. I, yeah. I love the idea of that being like a way to like rather than the John Wick approach of going in and shooting everyone as like a, no, I'm going to love you, man. I'm going to like show you what it's like to be loved and I'm going to give you like the ability to uh, let out this emotion that you don't normally let out as like yeah. a hard, tough guy. The, yeah, I, I, I like that. I, I loved that in the movie. Just the idea of like, nourishing someone and loving someone through food being the message of this movie and the idea of the movie being like, yeah, do what you love because that's that's the most important thing. Like the idea of like Nicolas Cage just wanting to live out in the woods with his pig and the idea that the whole time at the end of the movie when he's like, I didn't even need the pig to find the truffles. I just love this pig. Like the whole reason yeah. I wanted the pig back is because I love that fucking guy. <laughs> I thought that was such a beautiful little message. Food as like the vehicle to empathy is the for my for me my favorite way mm. that this film does it because you know he, he uses that final he, all of his because like maybe the second maybe the kind of latter middle of the film is him collecting these ingredients <laughs> to make this fucking this dude doesn't dish, know what a fucking right? quarter is. <laughs> well, I was thinking middle act, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> shut the fuck up, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, so he's collecting these ingredients to make this dish, and the point of yeah. making the dish is is it's kind of a bunch of different things, and it's not really explained. So all of this is me reading into what I took from it. But for me, he's yeah. giving this person number one the gift of memory, good memory, painful memory, but good memory, <laughs> and yeah. and he's also saying like how much you cared when you ate this meal the first time I made it for you is how much, how much I, I care, care about, yeah. uh, about this pig. And and so yeah. it's a way of, of trying to get people to e- sensorily experience something that makes the f- kind of forces them to empathize. You got to sit down, yeah. you got to take the time to eat to experience it. And it's hard to do that and to not think about the person who made the meal for you and think about what went into that and then also understand like someone who cares so deeply about something like how can you be selfish in the face of that? Um, and I, I, I agree, not that I, I'm not going to try and debate you on it, but I agree that, yeah. um, some of the detective stuff maybe verges on the goofy, but I also think that without <laughs> doing that early in the first kind of half of the film, the second half of the film probably wouldn't hit quite so hard because you wouldn't have the expectations from the first half. Yeah, that's pro- that's probably fair enough. I think it needs to earn the second half. Because you think he's this psycho at the start. By using yeah. the first half. Yeah, you've seen this guy get like... He gets concussed like twice early in the film. And the way that he just gets in that fight scene, the way that he just gets the shit beaten out of him, there's this really clever camera move where it's uh, the camera is completely stationary because he's lying on the ground. He's just like lost this fight. And people have just put mm. money down. So, you're not sure how much... I don't know. Like, I watched this with my partner and she was like, I don't know if they were betting on the fight or betting or, or like bidding to beat the shit out of this guy. 
Right. Like, I wasn't sure. And I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought they were betting. But then the guy that puts the last money down is the guy that ends up coming into the ring and just wailing on John, uh, John Wick, uh, yeah. on um, uh, Nicolas Cage. So, um, oh, the clever camera move is it's completely stationary while it's on him on the ground. And then when he starts to get up, you can clearly see the camera picked up like it's it rocks back and forth and then it's a handheld shot as it kind of rises up with him so i thought it was like a tripod or like a locked off like a stationary shot but then it's actually a handheld it's just that they pick up the camera it's very cool movement and it's very action filmy and so i thought they just picked up the camera man i don't really know what the big deal is no it was a cool moment because it's a very it lingers for a long time and the way that the camera starts to move you can really see that someone's picking it up off the ground i thought it i it looked like they actually bumped the camera at first and I was like, right, oh, that's okay. a fuck up. And then they pick it up. And so it's, yeah. Yeah, okay. You'll see what I mean if you're watching it. But um, what you expect in that moment for me is that you expect him to fight the guy and like kill him or like nearly kill him or whatever. Yeah. You know, you expect him to get up. He's like, yeah, I've taken your shit. It's, it's about time to dish out revenge. But all he does is go up and get this guy to give him info. A- and it's not really explained yeah. why he has to endure that. But I think from an audience perspective it it achieves like i don't really understand this world but he does he's deeply embedded yeah. within it people really respect him in it also he's fucking dedicated because he w- is willing to endure these beatings just to get this fucking pig back and um and it's also setting up yeah your expectations around like this is a f- this is a fight movie this is a violent movie this is this is how he's going to settle his score is through violence. Yeah, yeah. And that never happens. And I think it's very, very restrained. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I really want to go back and watch it again. I feel like I do this to myself sometimes where, like, I don't focus on a movie and it means I sort of ruin the movie for myself. Or, like, mm. I, I think I'm really good when I'm in a cinema because I watched... That's why I'm thinking it's about, like, I watched it, First Cow. Yeah, I watched First Cow again last night and I was getting kind of antsy with how slow it was and I was feeling like anxious <laughs> with like making my parents watch this weird slow movie and right. again it was like a shit quality d- the download. I honestly think yeah. like the f- image quality is a big part of like getting into the movie. Things that things that are nice to look at, it being nice to look at goes a long way to keeping people entertained, man, yeah. Oh yeah, because it, it it sets the mood exactly yeah. of of the movie as well and like it really like in- Gets you more invested and more like immersed in the in this in the experience. Mm. I so I think I would enjoy that a lot more because there's lots of that dim, interesting, weird, grimy kind of lighting that I think was happening a lot more in that first half that I really want to go back and watch again. Um, Nicholas Cage in this movie as well is so good. He's really good. It's one of the most restrained. We, we've talked a little bit about I think um, and like other people have talked about it as well people who've done a kind of deep yeah. dive on his career um, have talked about how he is so director dependent in terms of whether or not he gives like a stellar performance or whether or not he comes across as just like a, a crazy joke crazy guy uh, yeah, yeah. And, and like you know like Yorgos Lanthimos he's is that that's Mandy right yep Yorgos yeah. Lanthimos oh no it's Panos Cosmatos sorry Panos Cosmatos thank you Yorgos Lanthimos is um, lobster guy Ra- racist. So, um, Panos Cosmatos knew how to make... <laughs> he knew how to use Cage's energy yeah. because he, he, you know, like, for the first part of the film before the bad thing happens, he's sort of very pleased. At, uh, like, Nicolas Cage's character is very, like, contented and uh, very emotional, if not a little bit closed and, like, off. similarly restrained. Yeah. Right. And then... 
he, you know, the the transition where he locks himself in the bathroom, he's chugging vodka and screaming. <laughs> it's like the yeah. bit in the movie where he he uh, like Fuck, lets I just him unleash. The shit, I want to watch that movie again so bad. Oh yeah, <laughs> go and watch Mandy, everyone. It's can't can't talk about that movie highly enough. But um, but it's an example of a director where he, Cage is capable of giving these like insane unhinged performances. But if that's not right for yeah, the film, yeah. it just comes across completely off. And in the same way, if you're using him for this kind of more tender, more heartfelt role, like you need to know what he's going to look like, what people are going to expect from him on screen, because he looks fucked up for most of this film. He's like, he looks yeah. like he's homeless in some ways because he nearly is. Uh, he hasn't showered in ages. He's, he keeps blood on him from the first incident for most of the film. He never washes or cleans up or anything, at, which is like plays on his expectations of like him going to fine dining places. But I think, I don't know. I, I was very impressed that this very early career director, Michael Sarnowski, seems to know or seems to at least be able to speak to Nicolas Cage in a way where he understood the brief and what he needed to do to give a really good performance in this film to subvert your expectations. I think he was fantastic, really emotional, a lot of acting in the eyes, a lot of slow moments with no dialogue, really great. Yeah, totally. I watched an interview with Michael uh, Sarnowski earlier today uh, where he was talking about the idea that Nicolas Cage matches the mood of films really well so like right. if, if your movie's an over the top movie he'll be over the top perfectly and if right. your movie is like a slow chilled out mood where it's like a like a yeah like a very chilled out emotional kind of movie he'll he'll match that perfectly right and it's just a matter of like he'll match whatever you want whatever you bring to the table that's the level he's going to go in at right and so i suppose if he gets used a lot for those like big over-the-top, insane movies. That's what he gets known as, and that's what he gets good at doing. But yeah, I thought he fucking nailed this. He was great. And he apparently yeah. came to set like with the whole... They only had 20 days to shoot it, and he had like the whole script, including all the screen directions, memorized. Yeah. Um, which is like a nice, respectful thing to do, because he was saying... Uh, the director was saying, like, we only had 20 days, and we were shooting on location all over the city. We only had like one set, so we were constantly moving. And if we had to keep waiting for Nicolas Cage to get his lines right, we would have been fucked. So he was like glad... He said he, he said they got everything in like the first couple takes for like the whole movie, because right. Nicolas Cage's performances were like spot on, which is it's, oh, it's awesome. so cool to hear that he does these like little indie movies and does it with respect and treats it properly the dude like clearly just loves making movies that's what the director yeah. was saying he was like that's why he's in so many movies he loves the process of making the movie right and he's also like he is just a great actor i know he has his misses yeah. but like he's really really good and very compelling to watch on screen i'm really glad that i got to watch him in a role like this yeah, yeah and he's still he's still like a bit I don't know. I still like watching him be emotional. You still feel like he's doing it a bit much. I don't know, but I think it really works. Yeah. He's like, he, he just commits to it a lot. Obviously, Nicolas Cage is the biggest name on this, but I also think Alex yeah. Wolf um, is like quietly a fantastic performance in this film. It's very believable. He, yeah. Cause he, he plays yeah. like the, he plays like Wall Street douchebag when he's trying to do that. But when he's with his dad, it seems like he's just this kid who's like Such being like a, a wannabe businessman. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, and the 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 key to understanding the way that he behaves in those two manners is a scene where he's talking to himself in the mirror and he's like you're a fucking king. Yeah. You're a fucking legend. People are going to speak your name. And he's like bigging <laughs> yeah, himself yeah. up. That just it just gives you that little insight into like oh this is all this dude just pretending and trying so hard to be something that he kind of has to fight to be every second that he's trying to be it. Um, yeah, yeah. I really like Alex Wolf. Uh, since Hereditary, I think his career is popping off, and rightfully so. So I'm excited to yeah. um, I'm excited to see more of him. But I just wanted to because like it's so easy to talk about Cage and his performance in this film. But Alex Wolf is is constantly fantastic. I really never yeah, uh, never a missed moment. And they're a great duo as well. Like it works really, really well good. together. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that Alex Wolf would have been pissing his pants. <laughs> Every second he was opposite Cage in this film because, yeah, like, yeah. he's such a big name, but it never shows. He doesn't come across as no. nervous for a single second. And there are times, yeah. especially early in the film, where he has to be an asshole <laughs> to Cage. <laughs> he has to really yeah, yeah, be yeah. like, What are you fucking doing? Like, I'm not giving you a lift. <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck you. Like, you know, this so, smelly, homeless so, creep. Yeah, yeah. So rude to him. And I think that would have yeah, been really yeah. hard. <laughs> For someone who was like (laughs) one of the most famous actors on the planet sitting across from you. I think he did really, really well. It's very cool. (laughs) I was thinking, having a little... Having a little chuckle to myself thinking how how he must have felt. (laughs) Just like shitting on (laughs) Nicolas Cage. Um, Quick shout out as well, I think, to the soundtrack, um, which I just... I don't really remember specific moments, but I think it, it seemed to fit perfectly. Seemed to sit really I well. I think so as well, yeah. And the, the closing song, the cover of the Springsteen song, was That's so right. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a really good choice. I don't know, yeah, that um, I, I don't know if that was like created for the, the film or whatever, but... Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean the the song the song was him. It's a it's Obviously a well known yeah. song of his. But yeah, I, I think it's I I think it's I'm trying not to spo- I'm trying not to spoil it. <laughs> right, right, right. It looks like the guy um, that did it uh, that that composed the music has done a bunch of shit that I've never heard of. It looks like he does a lot of TV yeah. series and TV miniseries. So yeah, anyway. That was that was cool and um and I thought sort of yeah did a really good job of of putting a bow on the right moments in the film. So yeah. yeah. If that's all, I think I think I'll have a crack at a better than worse than. What do you reckon? Yeah, go I think for I've it. I've actually yeah, got yeah. one this week. All right, I so I'm I can thinking pick about like your worse than. Yeah, yeah. Well, I reckon I, I in terms of like vibey revenge movies, right? If we uh, all covering movies you mentioned earlier, this is better than nobody. Oh yeah. Worse than Mandy. Yeah, I'll give and you I know that. that Mandy. I know that Mandy is going for something totally different, and I know it's like a uh, revenge movie starring Nicolas Cage. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I like Mandy a lot more. I, I think that I like this one's paced very nicely, and it's a tight ninety minutes. This pig, it's really, pig movie, really tight script, and I think really I, tight script. I got to watch it more. I got to watch it again with a nice quality file. But um, I think that M- Mandy is a visual aesthetic that I think is. Uh, for me personally, something I like, I found it a lot more interesting and a lot more creative. This pig is pig is quite unique in the way that it's a little scenes, but I like Mandy is like next level crazy uh, psychedelic shit. Oh. And I think that in terms of the tone, I think Na- Mandy nails the tone the whole way through. Mandy uh, is a in a way that never had dream. me. 
and it never had me questioning it. And yeah, there's just some stuff in Pig where I thought like, I'm not sure why this character is doing this thing or going from this scene to that scene. And this tone doesn't quite match up with this tone for me in a way where I'm comfortable with it. And nobody I was really let down by. And it was just dog shit action with no proper substance to it. Sure. So yeah, I that's think that's I very said. fair. Is that I something that you're going to go for? I definitely agree with both of those things. It's. Uh, I think it's also going for a very different thing to... Um, yeah, it's a lot more of an emotional indie flick than those two movies. Because those two but, other movies are like... Emo- like action f- kind of action frat boy movies <laughs> mm, <laughs> in yeah. a way but this one isn't so I don't know if you got something better than that uh, no not necessarily better I enjoyed I think I'm I could be wrong because it's been a while since I've seen it but I mm-hmm. feel like I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed Ghost Story which is a slow yeah, right. quite emotional film um, and I would probably say I don't know I maybe enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed First Cow yeah, right. Well, I think they're probably first even. Cow, just, watching First Cow just the other day, I watched this, this and First Cow on the same day. I think I definitely yep. enjoyed this more than First Cow, but I'd seen First Cow before, and again, the quality. Um, I think I definitely enjoyed this more than First Cow, but mm. First Cow, you've got to be in the right mood because it's sort of slow from start to finish, whereas this picks up a bit, and it's got a lot more happening. So, no, I think I did enjoy this more than First Cow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, I can't think of any other slow, slow movies that are about grief and shit. The first John Wick movie... Maybe yeah. hits just above this one, if nothing. But in light of the like repeated sequels and John Wick Four coming out and stuff like that series, yeah, this is yeah. better than the series. Yeah. This is better than the John Wick yeah. series. So yeah. and it's fucking anyway, sick to have like an original movie, like an original little. I, I love these original little little oh, director yeah. debut screenplay written by directed by things. They're they're fucking sick. They're always yep. sick. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I really love this. And again, like, I'm so glad that these types of movies can still attract, like, Nicolas Cage. Alex Wolf could probably yeah, be yeah. in Marvel movies by now. He's got, like, that <laughs> kind of, maybe not that kind of pulling power yet, but pretty close. Yeah. So, you know, he's an A24 darling at, at the very least. So <laughs> it's very cool to see these kind of movies getting made. Yeah. 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 Fucking six to go in on it. Uh, steal it, but make sure you steal it in the. Highest primo quality you can. Yeah. And and Go as soon as you it. steal it now, but then as soon as you get the chance to pay for it, give them an IOU <laughs> and just pay pre, for it when you pre-book can. Pre-book a few tickets online and then don't rock up at the cinema. Just make sure you buy them tickets. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, is that literally. Is that cool? Just like buy a ticket online and don't rock up and be like, oh, I've paid my money. I think so. <laughs> if, you've watched, if you've watched it, hey, if you've watched it, you owe them a ticket. If you pirated it, you owe them a ticket. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, or, or, or just, yeah. just Venmo the dude money. He lives in LA. I'm sure he's got a Venmo. <laughs> Listen, directors, uh, the game developers, this is, we should end because I'm going to, I'm going to whine, but um, I know the game devs where the, there's some sort of licensing bullshit and it's not available in your country. I've never seen a game dev be like, don't pirate my game, pay for it when it gets to your place. They all say, just pirate it. I just want people to play it. Um, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that directors would be saying exactly the same shit. Mm. Like they don't like the distributors, whatever. So I would be pirating it. This is like low key, such an interesting, cool, creative movie to do on like a three million dollar budget. Like that, that's it's, nothing. It's so depressing that movie. these kind of films get made for three million dollars because I've worked on a three million dollar yeah. film that was nowhere near as good. Damn. As <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And like it's so yeah. creative. It was such a weird, cool idea. The fact that he was able to hook in this like major actor who I'm sure did it for way lower money than he's done a movie for oh, before. Yeah. Like totally. He must have just loved that, the like, script. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Apparently that yeah, apparently that's what happened. Yeah, he was really into it. Uh, so really that's cool. it. Watch Pig. Uh glad you 
was going to say, glad you enjoyed listening. I don't know if you enjoyed listening. I enjoyed talking. You better. I enjoyed yeah. talking. You got to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's probably all we got for the week. I'll see if yeah. I can get this uh, nice little outro song that played at the end of the movie to, to play here. Because I, Ooh, I, I, I loved nice. it. Nice very little nice. Bruce Springsteen cover. The punks won't be impressed, but, you know, who needs them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, stick stick with us for next week. I don't know what the fuck we're doing next week yet. I thought maybe that Sparks Annette musical. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yep. Because that just came out your, on uh, some sort of Australian service. Yep. Yeah, or maybe we could do fucking Orange Ramen or whatever else your fucking your fucking boy's <laughs> yeah. gonna come out with. Yep. Um, that's all we got. Thanks for sticking with us. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. See you next time. See you time. later. Hey little girl, is your daddy home? Go and leave you all alone Got a bad desire